Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we've been going through Second Peter. It's a really special book to me. For years, I've tried to think about how, how do I go through this book because it's a meaningful book, and I felt like the time is right now in light of a lot of things happening in our world, things that are happening in the Christian world. And, of course, what we're looking at through this book is how we are threatened, our faith is threatened. And it's not threatened by what we think it's going to be threatened by, but what happens in the culture or what happens in government. Actually, the greatest threats are from within the church. First of all, I told you the first threat is your ignorance of your own salvation. We looked at that in chapter 1. The second threat comes within the church. That's false teachers, the guys who come within. We're going to talk about that today. And then the third threat, which we're going to look at when we starting next week when we get into chapter 3, is our misunderstanding of our hope about Jesus coming back. So today, we're going to talk about false teachers. I know that a lot of you, in all of your years of being a believer, you've gone to, maybe you've gone to the same church, but maybe you've gone to other churches or parishes, and you've had numerous pastors in that time. Am I right in saying that? And, and you've had, you have fond memories of maybe pastors or priests that were good pastors and priests, right? You got some good memories of some good guys. But then also you've got some memories of some other guys that you were like, well, they seemed okay at first, but man, they, they destroyed us or they destroyed me. There was something that would turned out to be very wrong there. You know what I'm talking about? They turned out to be false. See, this is what we're going to talk about today. Because, listen folks, some guy walking in here and telling you that Jesus is Satan's brother, you would immediately say, get out of here. You're wrong. You would say, but that's a false teacher. No, that's another religion. But somebody coming in from among us, because that's, notice now, every passage that talks about false teachers in a church, it says they come up from among us. That is, they come from within the church. They lead us in destructive paths because they're guided by something else. That's what we're going to look at today. Because we need to start vetting our teachers. I would even tell you you need to start vetting George. Don't just assume because George has been here for 18 years, George is okay. No, don't assume that. If you assume that, you're not doing me any favors. You're holding yourself vulnerable. You need to vet. So what does vet mean? Well, vet is to investigate someone thoroughly, especially in order to ensure that they are suitable for the job, requiring secrecy, loyalty, or trustworthiness. Now, we usually use the term in, in terms of vetting. We hear that in the political world, right? Because they vet this candidate for Supreme Court or they vet this person who's running for, you know, and then they'll say, well, they didn't vet him good enough, you know? Well, folks, vet is a common term, 
but it's something that we need to do in churches. And I'll be honest with you, I happen to know a lot about how churches pick pastors. It isn't good. And it's purely based upon how well do you preach. And do you have the right doctrine? But it has nothing to do with what type of person you are. What's your character? And what we're going to see today is that when Peter talks about false teachers, he's going to look at two things, their character and their message. And that's what we're going to see today. So let's notice with me, we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 10 through 22. Here's what Peter writes. And especially those who walk according to the flesh, in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of things that they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daylight. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practiceness and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by the tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. When they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. And it would have been better for them if they did not known the way of righteousness, having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having been washed to her wallowing in the mire. All right, let's take a look at this. We're going to see a couple of sections here. We're going to look, first of all, 10 through 16. We're going to see the character of a false teacher. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, when you look at any guy, when you are listening on the radio, when you're listening to any guy, when you're listening, even when you're listening, coming here Sunday after Sunday and you're listening to George, you've got to look at more than just the message. Do you, do you understand that? More than just the message. Because here's what you don't know is going on out there. It's easy for a preacher to get a message. How? 
I thought he spends time studying and, and praying about it. No, folks, it's out there. You can just go to the internet. So you can't go by just messages. Did you understand what I'm saying? You can't just go by messages. You have to go by something more than the message. What's more than the message? Who they are as a person. So Peter comes along and he talks about the character. So I'm going to point out some things, four things about their character. Come right out of the passage. Let's start off with verse 10. Look what verse 10 says. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. Here's the thing, verse 10. They live for themselves and despise authority. Live for themselves, despise authority. First of all, what you're going to notice with these kind of false teachers is it's not about you, it's not about the church, it's not about the Lord, it's about who, folks? Them. Their image. Their dream. Their vision. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's not about anything other than themselves. It's about how they look and what they can get out of it. And here's the second part that is always amazing. They despise authority. Here, Peter is saying they despise heavenly authority because they speak evil of things that they shouldn't be speaking evil of. But they despise authority. So I think about it. I thought, you know, I've, I've been a believer now since 1985, 34 years. In 34 years, I have sat under lots of pastors. I've been in lots of churches. I haven't just pastored myself. But I can think of leaders that I have known that turned out to be false. And here's one of the key things that has always been true about them. They could not submit to anybody. They couldn't submit to their own board. They weren't willing to submit to their own board. They felt that they were above everybody and they despised all other authority. In fact, here's one of the things that I thought was interesting about them. They always mocked authority. And at first, each of us has a rebellious tendency. Don't, don't you have a rebellious tendency? Or am I, again, the only one who has a rebellious tendency? No, we all have a rebellious tendency, especially when you're younger. you got a rebellious tendency because you're like, I want to get out from under mom and dad. You know, we just got that rebellious tendency. And have you ever been in church and you thought, man, he's saying some edgy stuff. He's cool. Yeah, he seems cool, but he's also despising authority. He's living for himself. They live for themselves, and they despise authority. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Here, I want you to listen to me. They speak with authoritative ignorance. Listen to what Peter is saying. Again, back to verse 10. Peter says, They are presumptuous, self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of things that they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. Here's what these guys do. These guys will mock things that they shouldn't mock. They speak authoritatively, like they've got the knowledge, they've got the authority to tell you what it is, and in their authority, they mock things that they shouldn't mock. Like what? Well, here, he's saying they mock demons. And so Peter makes a great point here to point out that even the angels themselves 
don't mock demons. Why? Because they're angels. And they understand it's serious business, and they understand what happened, and they don't mock them. I can't tell you the number of people I've sat under who mock other, not just angels, but people. You ever sat under a preacher that mocked a group of people? And it may be that that group of people were involved in sin, but you don't mock them. Why? Because whether or not they're in some sort of sin, you don't mock them because Jesus died for them. And they're precious to God no matter who they are. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? See, these guys, they're not just doing it for themselves. They're not just despising authority, but they talk with some kind of authority that is based purely on ignorance. They don't really know what they're talking about. They don't really know what they're talking about. Have you ever met somebody like that? Folks, they're on your radio. This is dangerous to you and I. Let's go on third point here, all right? Third thing about their character, all right? It says here, verse 13, that they openly engage their sinful desires and prey on others. They openly engage their sinful desires and prey on others. Look with me at verse 13 and 14. Here's what it says. And will receive the wages of unrighteousness to those who counted pleasure to carouse in daytime. All right, let's stop for a moment. All right, so, all right, let, let's kind of reflect for a moment. All of us struggle with sin. All right, so let's just get that out in the open, put that out there. I think we already realized that. Every person here, you have something that you struggle with, and that's something you struggle with you're ashamed of, right? Am I correct in saying that? And you would be shocked if somebody knew that this was your sin thing. Everybody would be like, oh, man, I hope nobody ever finds out. And, and usually when you engage in that, you engage in that in what the Bible calls darkness. What does that mean? You engage in it so that nobody else knows about it, right? These guys engage in it right out in the open. And they do it out in the open because they'll have a message. Remember, their message is, got grace, got freedom. We're, we're, we're not under law. That's legalism. How many of you have heard somebody say, oh, that's legalism? Well, yeah, there are some things that are legalism, but not everything's legalism. So these guys openly engage in sinful desires. And then the next part I want you to see there is, is they prey on other people. What do you mean? Let's, let's go a little bit further. Go, look, go a little bit further with me. Look at verse 13. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. All right, stop. That phrase, while they feast with you, means that they just come and take part in the Lord's table without any, not even worrying about what they're doing. But look at verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They're preying on other people. Remember, they're out for themselves. So what they do is they look for the weakest in a church or a congregation and they hone in on them for what? For what they can get out of it. And then it says, here's the one, they have eyes filled with adultery. What does that mean? Well, the, literally the language is communicating that they view every woman as a conquest. As a sexual conquest. And listen to me. I want you to hear me. You say, is that possible? Yeah, it is. How many times over the last 30 years have you read about some preacher what? 
getting caught doing something you shouldn't have been doing with someone else. And it destroys you when your preacher does that. Some of you have experienced that. This is their character. They openly engage in sinful desires and they prey upon others. Prey upon them. Because, folks, who are they living for? Are they living for the Lord? No. They're living for who, folks? Themselves. Listen, I want you to know, not everybody comes to church for the Lord. Not everybody comes to church for the Lord. You should know that by now. Some people come in for other reasons. Some people come in to feed their own egos. Some people come in for attention. But a lot of people should be coming for the Lord, but there are other people who are not coming for the Lord. We're talking about leaders here who are in it, who look like they're right, but they're not in it for the Lord. They're in it for who, folks? Themselves. Here's the fourth thing about their character I want you to see. Again, verse 14 through 16. They have hearts trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor. They love the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Here's the final thing I want you to see. They are consumed with personal gain. Remember, I told you it's all about them. So they're out for them. In fact, it's interesting. He mentions a certain prophet from the book of Numbers. That prophet from the book of Numbers was a guy by the name of Balaam. If you read the story of Balaam, you find out real quick, Balaam's only interested in one thing, folks. He, he talks to the Lord. He, he, you know, he says, I'm not going to do anything more than what the Lord tells me to do. He's got a great line, but Balaam's only interested in one thing. How big's his wallet? And how much bigger can it get? He's interested in moolah. For you young people, that means money. He's interested in money. There are people, they are in it for what? Themselves. That's their character. Now, let's stop for a moment. All right, everything we just talked about, these four points, did any of this have anything to do with what they're saying? No, not at all. Is it possible that you could say all the right things and still be a wrong person? Is that possible? Yes. So it's not what you're saying, although that there is something about that. We'll talk about that here in a moment. So you've got to look at more than just a message. You've got to look at more than just a message. Okay, so then we're going to get to the message now. You say, well, what, what, what about the message? Because, I mean, if they're saying all the right things, we can still guard ourselves against them. No, no, there's a subtlety through their message. He's already mentioned that earlier in verses 1 to 3 of this chapter. So let's talk about the message, okay? The message, that's the second section we're looking at here, verses 17 through 22. Let's go through these verses together. Look with me at verse 17. He says this, They are wells without water, they're clouds carried by the tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. When they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Here's the point I want you to see about their message. They're all show, but there's no substance. 
They're all show, but there's no substance. I like, to be honest with you, I have to tell you this. I love, this is crazy, I love amusement parks. So I like going to Del Grosso. Now, my reason for amusement parks is probably different than yours. I'm not necessarily a ride guy. I'm a food guy. I love the, pre I'm a pretzel man. So if you see me at Del Grosso's, I'm going to get a hard pretzel, okay? And some of you have been with us at Del Grosso's when we take the young people there. Where do I go? The pretzels. Where is that located? Over by the swing thing, okay? I know where it's located. It hasn't changed every year, okay? Now, here's one of the things I've noticed by being in, being in amusement parks. It's almost true of every amusement park, whether you go down to Del Grosso's or you go down to Pittsburgh. Have you ever noticed they always have a well? It's like a fake well. Some of them are stone. Some of them are wood. And it's like, oh, a well. And then you go over there, and it's not a well. It's just something on the top where you can throw money into. Looks nice. They may have a bucket there. But it ain't going nowhere. Because there's nothing there. Looks good, but there's nothing there. That's what he's talking about with the message of a false teacher. Man, it sounds great. Wow, did you hear that story? But then when you really thought about it, it was all fluff. There was nothing there. Nothing. That's what he's talking about. He said, have you ever been out and you're like, oh, it's going to rain. Look at those clouds. Wow, they're black. It's going to come. It's going to get ready. And they just pass over. Nothing happens. Wow, the show was great. But there's nothing there. There's no substance. That's the message of a false teacher. The message of the false teacher is that they are all show, but there's no substance. No substance, folks. Do you understand? Listen, I'm telling you right now, in the world of pastoring right now, it's all about the show. It's all about the show. It's all about how it's presented, how all of that. I'm going to tell you right now, fine. But if there's no substance, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Look with me. Verse 18, we've already read it again. I'll read it to you once more. It says, when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through the lewdness, the ones who actually escape from those who live in error. Here's what it does. The message appeals to the sinful desires of the listeners. And here, Peter is actually talking about who the listeners are. When it says here, look at that phrase there, those, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So first of all, who's that? Who, who are the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error? Who would that be? No, no, it's not unbelievers. Believers. Because we're the ones who have escaped from living among those who are in error, right? Right? So it's saying here that their empty words are appealing to the desires of what? Who? Christians. They say things to appeal to our sinful desires. Now, by the way, it's not like a, like a, because if it's obvious, you would reject it. It's always what? Subtle. Subtle. 
They speak in such a way to appeal to your desires subtly. In fact, that's what Paul was warning in 2 Timothy chapter 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. He's talking about people. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears aside from the truth and turn aside to fables. What? It's talking about people who should know better, who because they want people to tell them something that'll, that'll whatever, they'll listen to this stuff. Edgy stuff that allows them to do certain things. This is the subtlety of it. This is the subtlety of it. You know, I, I, I listen to a lot of preachers. And because I listen to them week after week, you pick up things about where they're going with the direction of their teaching. And you can also pick up when there's a shift. And, and, and I think of one guy in particular that he went from solid teaching to where he drifted off into preaching, are you ready for this, pop psychology. From what the word said to how to have a happy home. It was a drift where you no longer saw the emphasis on God's word, but you saw the emphasis on what? Humanity. And then he was exposed. There were red flags there. See, these guys are appealing to our desires. And let me just go ahead and tell you right now, the number one desire you have in your heart, you can't do anything about it until you go to be with Jesus, is you all will have the desire to drift away from the Lord. You just have to crucify it. Because your body doesn't want to walk with the Lord. Your body wants to do its own thing, right? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how difficult it is to come to church on Sunday morning? Here's the next thing I want you to see. This is the thing about their message. I want you to grasp this. You've got to own this one. They offer freedom that leads only to slavery. They have a message that offers you freedom. Oh, you can do that. Throw off the restraints of the church and the traditions and throw off the legalism. You can do whatever. That's what they're saying here. Look at what verse 19 says. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves to corruption. By whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. You don't, you don't know how many times I've heard people say, Oh, I love that guy. I, he just has brought me freedom. A few years later, oh, they're burdened. There's, the life has been sucked out of them by that teaching. Here's the fourth point. They have embraced the sinful that should have been renounced. Look with me, verse 20 through 22. For if they, having escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome the latter and the worse for them than the beginning. What is he saying here? By coming to Jesus, or saying they come to Jesus, they throw off sin, but because of their, their focus being on themselves and preying on other people, they actually end up, what? Getting further into the sin that they should have walked away from. 
that they should have walked away from. And it's out there, folks. It's out there. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.